All right, everybody, it's a huge show today. It's Friday, we're bringing back our heavy hitters for interviews. And today, you're not gonna believe it, Shopify CEO and founder, Toby Luca is back. He's amazing. This is his third or fourth time on the show. We've got a great rapport. He's super honest. He's super candid. We go deep on running companies, scaling companies. My God, what a massive pull forward the uh, pandemic was for Shopify, the stock price, dealing with employees with RSUs underwater. Uh, what an amazing interview. He's so thoughtful. This is a must listen. Slow it down. Keep it on 1x speed. And you're probably going to want to listen to it twice. Stick with us. This is an amazing episode. This Week in Startups is brought to you by Spoken. Finally, there is a way to build culture and connection that is designed for remote. Spoken Stories. It's fast, it's async, yet it's human. Check out getspoken.com slash twist to get three months free. That's G-E-T-S-P-O-K-N without the E dot com slash twist. Masterworks is the first company allowing investors exposure into the blue chip artwork asset class. Twist listeners can skip the waitlist by going to masterworks.io slash twist. And Helpware helps you outsource the tasks that slow your team down. From data entry to world-class customer support, Helpware can help make you bionic. Go to helpware.com slash twist to get $1,000 off your first invoice. All right, everybody. Really excited to have friend of the show, Toby Lutka, on the program again. How are you doing, Toby? I'm doing very well. How are you, Jason? I'm good. I, you know, it was a crazy summer. Oh, and for people who don't know, Toby founded Shopify, and uh, he did that in 2004. I met him. I don't know. Chamath and I w went up to Canada, and uh, I interviewed you, I don't know, 10 years ago, maybe? You were first yeah. on the show? Uh, actually, it was 2013, so it's almost 10 years. Um, it's true. And you were on in 2021 as well. And so we've watched the company grow, and it was extraordinary during the pandemic. My Lord, did the company grow. <laughs> and then you had a, a quick pullback. It's been a crazy three years for the company, huh? Yeah. It's, and running it. It's been a crazy ride. Um, not for a faint of heart. <laughs> um, I mean, it's a funny thing. It's like, you know, you, like Shopify is a celebration of entrepreneurship. And so um, I uh, see no reason for me not going through some kind of dramatized version of it. <laughs> it's like yeah. I, the roller coaster is... Um, as you know, is uh, is what it is. It's like you, you, there's high highs and very low lows. And um, one thing, an observation about building a company as it gets bigger and bigger is that the um, the, the, the time between the highs and the lows uh, starts uh, uh, getting shorter and shorter. And uh, sometimes you have multiple ones in the same day. Um, and uh, um, yeah, so this has certainly been one of those high oscillation uh, uh, years if I've ever seen one. Yeah, it is interesting how. Yeah, as entrepreneurs, we perceive every year that goes by, this business will become more stable and easier to operate. We'll just be flying at a nice height and there'll be no turbulence and everything is going to be stable. And I think that's happened to like three businesses in the history of tech. <laughs> and it happened in the third decade. Like you look at Apple, you look at Microsoft and Google, like, sure, they're on cruise control now, like three of them great money printing machines of all time. But then you look at like Airbnb or Facebook or Intel, like chaos, right? It, it, it's, it's, it never gets, it very rarely gets easy, I think is the truth. Yeah, I, I wonder, I wonder what you think about why this is, because like, I mean, I mean, once of, you know, notable thing about uh, this, the set of places that seem to 
get more stable and more predictable ends up being that they find like some quasi, I mean, a very, very good business model that's kind of self-sustaining or being a government or something where they slow down too. So <laughs> I, I imagine that there's a lot of books and articles written out there is uh, by people who have encountered this. And so people are like their, their pattern recognition or like they, are, like they they think it's more common, but um, that's just an aspect of only people who have time to write books are the people who find these business models. <laughs> so um, so there's like an overexposure of this kind of experience. In reality, I, I, I mean, this is one cool thing about Shopify is like the millions of entrepreneurs we get to speak to and like everyone's in the same boat, right? Like it's it's just it's 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 a it's a crazy thing to do this, and it's 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 hard, but it's also exhilarating. I I I would be getting pretty bored if things got very stable and predictable. I think you would be too, right? Of course, of course. I mean, the fact that it's so dynamic and you know maybe it has to do with there are some businesses if they can capture you know close to a monopoly or you know they, they've basically got a lock on it a duopoly you know you, you look at the duopoly of you know ios and android and the loyalty and their focus i mean it's probably some combination of that google search just you know and everything else google does you know outside of search like it's kind of variable what, what's been the thing that hasn't changed during this crazy period because you have the pandemic you got the stock market correction you have a very big competitor who is extremely <laughs> good at what they do yep and they changed who's running the company. And I think, you know, that means you got somebody who's super focused in there running the company, maybe as somebody who wasn't as focused. I'm talking, of course, about Amazon. So through this last three years, what has been the thing that hasn't changed? And what has been the thing that's been most challenging? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it sounds lame, but like, um, it, 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 I mean, there's a huge difference between things outside and inside of a company right like it's 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 like inside the company we've been like there's a mission that we're following right like and it's like you know we build the best software we know how to build um we, we, we are getting information from the rest of the world about like you know what should be built what's what, what's needed what's useful um there were some significant changes around the beginning of a pandemic about like i mean click to like curbside delivery and these kind of things um but like um largely like if uh, it, it was actually with all the craziness and the sort of churn and talking but the talking was all induced and like like it's like mom sending a message saying hey is this as bad as it sounds or like it's just like if it's bad or is this like what are you guys actually like, uh, so, you know i i remember a lot of people at shopify said hey for the first time during this pandemic like this pandemic my parents actually started being interested in this business i'm part of you know like <laughs> so suddenly everyone paid attention uh, which which you know again uh variable outcomes from that but like we, we've just sort of, you know, same thing. We, we, like, uh, we, we celebrate with people who are, um, are reaching for independence and uh, we, we make the software hopefully vastly better over time. And so the company just keeps getting better, I think. It's the best version of that shop that ever existed by, 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 by a mile. Um, but externally, people seem to think differently about the company. And like if, if you sort of overlay stock price on um, this sort of um, gradually everyday getting a little bit more excellent kind of thing that I perceive internally. And you're, you're super opposed with stock prices. Like um, you, people are very uh, uh, of different minds about how this is going, which is kind of, a, a, it's an interesting experience by itself, right? Like it's, it's just, I mean, I have this fantastically privileged um, experience of having, uh, you know, Ron started writing first lines of code on something, which then became a company, which then, you know, eventually became a public company and have a ticker symbol. And now I sort of have seen multiple parts of a business cycle. And, um, I, 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 I'm pretty, uh, people are always like, how do you deal with the 
you know, over distraction, over noise, over pressure, and these kind of things. And, and I'm like, I, I just, that has never really affected me. So I'm almost like a bit of an observer to the whole thing. And it's just like, it's just like, you, you kind of get the sense for like, man, how group ends up forming opinions and like, you know, how is all this reflexive and, you know, anyway, I, I don't know if that's, if that's no, what I think you bargained for, but like, it's, it's like, it's, it's just always, it's an endless fascination to me about uh, like observing these things. Um, and every once in a while, then I'm, someone has to remind me saying, Hey, you're not just an observer, you're like in this arena. And then, and then <laughs> exactly. I'm like, okay, yeah, right. <laughs> well, I mean, if you think about it, you have complete information on the business. Uh, you know where the business is going. So you're in the room where it happens. You're making the decisions with your team. You know the roadmap. You're watching, you know, your customers use the product and you are studying, you know, their behavior. And then you have outside commenters who have partial information. And so their view of it, and they have other things going on in their lives, whether it's journalists or analysts or competitors or just, you know, the people on social media. And so they're just commenting with incomplete information. And you, of course, are just watching month over month, the product get better, consumer uh, customers visiting stores and closing transactions. So yeah, it, it is very strange uh, to be a public company, I think, for a lot of folks, especially when you have too much attention, right? I mean, uh, uh, arguably, you know, the press wanted to know who was going to win inside of uh, commerce, uh, inside of the pandemic. This became an obsession with CNBC mm -hmm. and everybody else. Who's going to win? Who's going to win? And they basically picked two categories, uh, telemedicine and e-commerce. But you did a really great blog post where you show this incredible bump and then, uh, I guess, uh, reversion to the meme. Maybe you could talk a little bit about the bump you saw during the pandemic and how that smoothed out um, and just became more of a straight line uh, eventually. Yeah, so I, um, this is sort of e-commerce adoption rate. Uh, e-commerce e e is a percentage of overall retail and, and how it evolved. Um, I mean, this is very easy to... Um, uh, understand. I'm, I'm sure like the moment uh, no one could move around anymore, people could not reach retail stores. Also, people could not uh, spend their money on uh, experiences or like go to bars and so on. So um, uh, what what happened at the beginning of a pa pa pandemic is like um, people very much switched spending um, uh, to like partly saving, in fact, and, and, and the other part to goods. And the goods were predominantly acquired for e-commerce and that created a massive massive leap forward in terms of uh you know gmv in 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 for our merchants and business for a platform there was actually points in time where <laughs> like during this period where uh the cloud providers almost ran out of servers it was it, it, it was actually I, I like know, cpu a, like like yeah yeah storage like, well so so you, you i mean i'm sure you're familiar and your listeners are familiar with the concept of a bank run uh that yeah. can happen so there was basically a bank run going on on on, on cpu instances uh and um just because everyone like was that was growing and you know companies have projections about utilization rates and they're building ahead of those but like I, there's not a lot of in it for you to like build massively ahead. That's just carrying more costs on the books, right? So like, um, so suddenly everyone realized we are, we are, we are going for these leaps forwards in, in utilization and, uh, probably haven't done the, all the optimizations we wanted to get done right at this moment. And then, um, uh, people are sequestering resources that are not utilized. It's kind of interesting. Like, so just lots of interesting stories from this, from, from this time. We really saw this, like everything just, um, uh, you know, became very, very, very busy quickly. Um, and so I, so I was wrong about this. I actually expected this to be a, um, very, very, uh, uh, um, long-term 
a stepping stone event for for e-commerce adoption because um my, my my theory was that people that's just like there's just a lot of people who have never experienced it like it's, it's just like not in the habits like when when people say hey i i, I need this thing it's it's just yeah, for for you and me, the first thing we think of is just probably get out our phone and buy it or order it or something. And um, I sometimes actually have to mind myself. I could go to stores um, uh, because I sort of fallen out of a habit, especially for COVID. And I imagine this would be a more of an effect. I think that is, uh, is, is and, and then like as the lockdown orders came down, it actually like went basically to where uh, e-commerce penetration that would have been if things yes, would have just it was on a normally slope. gone. And 10% of people yeah. were buying online. It shoots up to 16%. It goes up 60% in, a, in six months, maybe. Yes, yeah. Massive. Out of necessity. And then it just comes slowly back down. And if it had gone on the regular pace, it maybe would have been at 14 or something. So, yeah. you know, net-net, it's probably a 20% speed up or something, acceleration. Yeah. Do your remote employees feel disconnected? I bet they do. Well, Spoken is the workplace podcasting platform loved by startups like Robinhood, Udemy, and 15.5. And Spoken just launched a new way for companies to build connection and community remotely. It's called Spoken Stories. You might know stories from Instagram where only you can add to them, but Spoken Stories are different. Spoken Stories can belong to a company or a team. In fact, your entire team or smaller team units can add to that specific story. And you can create stories about anything. Maybe you want to celebrate wins. Maybe you want to do some shout outs, give people credit. Maybe talk about your travel or birthdays, anything, product updates. And you don't have to wait for an offsite or hold awkward Zoom happy hours to connect with your team. Nope. Spoken Stories is designed for remote teams. It's asynchronous and it's fast, yet still human. Leaders, this is a really easy way to get to know your employees and recognize them. They want you to try it so you can get three months free at getspoken.com slash twist. Remember, that's spoken with no E. Get S-P-O-K-N dot com slash twist. Get S-P-O-K-N dot com slash twist. Getspoken.com slash twist for three months free. Take out the E for excellent. Which is fascinating. When I go to a store now, I don't know if you have this experience, but like for me, going to the movies or the store, it's like going to a museum or... <laughs> like going to an amusement park where I'm like, whoa, this is special. I'm in a place where there's things on a shelf and I sort through them and there's a person who helps me navigate through all this stuff. I just, the whole concept is so foreign to me. And of course the stock went up crazy. That's a distraction inside the company, I would take it. Yeah. So how do you manage that? Because it's kind of hard to keep people, this is what I've heard from a lot of CEOs who go through this, you know, you, you like you as the founder very easily could just be like, whatever, my net worth's X or Y or Z, it doesn't really affect me. I'm, I'm past that escape velocity. But for somebody who maybe is, you know, a rank and file person, this can get very distracting. I, 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 do I have a million dollars in RSUs or five or two or 500? Like this is the majority of their the wealth is in there and it, and it could change everything. So what how is that to deal with? And, uh, and people, you know, sitting there refreshing the stock price instead of pushing code sometimes. Yeah, I mean, we, we've, we've always had a uh, um, somewhat inspired um, uh, uh, policy in internally, but I mean, it's hard to do this in a digital world now. But um, um, if anyone was seen to look at the stock price or uh, it was on a monitor or something like this and doing a presentation, like you had to buy um, uh, 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 like... Donuts, basically, Tim Hortons is kind of anything. Um, I for, know for, Tim Hortons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, those so, maple donuts are yeah, yeah, delicious. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so, 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 um, uh, whenever you saw, uh, uh, Tim Bits in, in the, in the, in the, in the kitchenette, you knew someone got caught. Or, uh, uh, that's kind of <laughs> that's like, hilarious. um, I, 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 I think that helped, a, I don't know if it helped, but uh, that, that was there as, as a little bit of a touchstone, uh, along those lines. So, so people knew to not like spend all the time to at least talking and about it. The other thing is like, I, 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 and I made a point of this many, many, many times, uh, with great frequency as in the run up is, I reminded everyone, we did not get 50% smarter in the last like two months. Um, no. <laughs> so, you know, like, just like because the stock went up 50%. Like, it's, it's just, this is like, just remember, like at some point the stock will go down 50% and we also didn't get 50% worse or dumb or whatever we want. Um, like it's not, this is, this is not us. Like we work on the real market value of this business, which is unknowable. And what the stock market is trying to do is create um, consensus plus a million other things that um, uh, like for what like the approximate value given current long term thinking, like how, how, how the time horizon of a market shifts itself. And um, uh, there is times where the market loves potential, um, uh, which of, of, of which we have a ton. And so there's times where market just doesn't like, just values performance of which we have a ton too. But the, our, our market price was very reflective of those things uh, multiplying together. Uh, and, and when all the potential goes out, that just can uh, look like this. So I don't know how much it helped, but it was all I got at the moment. Because, I mean, the, 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 like the market beta drove Shopify to insane levels. And then that came out again. Um, so so, so the, the roller coaster was pretty severe. I don't recommend that to most folks. <laughs> and um, uh, yes, people... Like, but from a perspective, you're asking specifically from an employee's perspective, which is much more complex. It's, it's, it's easier to reason about these things in the abstract and in, in the sort of, sort of society level. But this is a very much a individual kind of experience because everyone, like, this is the, the, the weirdest part of experience is that, um, um, everyone around you joined at different times. And so there's no common ground. There's no shared experience. And of course, the people who might, like, who have a worst experience, like, axiomatically have to like like will have to spend most time either you know talking about it or or, or just trying to figure out what what this means for them so so um you you end up in this situation where um like you, you you're going to be acutely aware of some really unfortunate unfair uh like occurrences of timing like i i think i even put that into a post like it's like <laughs> the way we designed our compensation packages with, with, uh, with, with stock options and RSUs. Um, uh, it's just like sudden, like the market beta matters a lot, right? Like it's like, and, 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 and confidence of the investor classes. It's like, um, if Russia invades Ukraine the day before you join, your lifetime earnings might be very different than the day if you would have joined couple of days earlier or if a stock grant would have been a couple of days earlier and and that just seems like a weird dependency for like figuring out how to compensate people right so anyway um well you made a tool for this I, this is i reached yes. out to you the second i saw this because i said well, why doesn't this exist but how come this hasn't existed before so we'll pull it up on the screen here for the audience who's watching in video and you know there's obviously two pieces to comp you can have some stock you can have your salary and you said well I, I'm, I'm, I think what you said was, let's give people the ability to scenario plan because this is new. Most people who come work at a company have never had stock options. I don't know of 100 people coming to work at Shopify in 2022. 
I don't know, maybe half of them have had this experience, maybe half hadn't. That sounds about right. Yeah. So and, and you're in Canada, too. So in Canada, it's not like there's many Shopify's there. I mean, you had RIM, but it's like a handful. So maybe explain what you built uh, and how it's been received by the employee base. And we have it on the screen now. So you can you can actually sportscast it if you like and describe what we're seeing here. Yeah, I think I think what I talked about earlier is a good setup. Um, it's sort of um, framing because you know, like the, you know, I, I um, my background. I mean, last time we nerded out on like our tech book backgrounds, right? Like, uh, my, my, like I'm 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 very much a techie of out of uh, like I don't know hacking central casting, right? Like it's just like I, I just like I like I, li I love computers. I love software. Um, I thought about whether I would always be a programmer, but eventually, what I realized though was um, I, I really just like building systems and uh, yeah, computers and programming are very, very good. Like, like they're, they're fantastic for people who like building systems because you write the code, you design a system, and then it keeps doing it forever. Sort of in my, at some point, I had to make these uh, decisions about in, 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 like, what do I want to do? And do I want to do the CEO thing for longer, public companies, all these kind of things. And, 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 and sort of the clarifying idea there was, you know, Actually, most of the consequential, most consequential systems in the world are actually both, you know, human systems, like the, the, the co like companies themselves and, you know, incentive systems. And just like, 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 how do you, you know, it, it seems like every problem worth solving in the world is a problem for which you need a lot of people working uh, from very diverse backgrounds, working together with aligned incentives and, 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 and just like, you know, basically, but all I'm talking about is the modern company. Um, so, so I, I, I find sometimes when something, that we all do causes a very bad, like it's a, sort of an observably bad variable outcome. outcome? It's, it's variable is probably best. Like bad, yeah. I, it's it's, it's bad not right now. Bad. It Somebody can actually be very good. Yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah, yeah, flip a coin. It's like a decision making in a poker hand. You know, yeah, like, could go really well. It could go really bad. Right, and 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 I, and I think. Um, uh, it, it just seemed like the decisions were on the wrong side. Like I, I, I think the company. Like I, I'm a big fan of treating the company as like a professional, like a professional sports team. Everyone's adults. Everyone, like people have agency, right? Like and about, yes. about their decisions. And so we were we were thinking about like, well, like I, I we actually ran some polls, like where we just picked, like we, we found like the the exact salary that the most of the people in the company shared for various reasons between different groups, and just like surveyed um, how much they think they earn, <laughs> and 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 we got. Like almost no agreement uh, back. Like everyone, they didn't like, even understand no. what their compensation was. Yes, even though it's in a document somewhere and it comes into their bank account, but it's yeah. not easily discernible to them. Like, I, I've seen this, this happen before. I've had to explain to people. Do you know what you got paid last year? Here's your salary. Here's your bonus. Here's your carry in a venture firm. Here's what your future earnings will be. And they're like, yeah, I don't make that much. They, they literally don't know how much they make, and, yeah. and it's usually they under estimate i find yeah i i i've seen i i i've seen this same uh dynamic and it's it's, it's really not like um I, I'm, not, I'm not blaming the the, the 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 people at all it's just extremely complex we have leaked the implementation detail of highly complex financial instruments um to uh like the, the institution of employment um for tax optimization purposes mostly right like this is why uh, like a lot of our, uh, equity uh, happens which, you know, it's all fine and good, but like, um, um, you know, these, these complex instruments usually come with owner's manuals and, uh, and like, there's actually, um, 
uh, rules governing how much we can say about the potentials of, of, of these things because we don't we can't make statements about uh, you know looking like, statements uh, no bueno yeah so 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 in in the end it's like this seems really unideal uh, we, we use tools like everyone is like uh, workday i don't know how much this is our usage of workday but when i when i looked at what is what you actually see especially when the stock price is like underwater compared to when you joined in your workday instance about your stock and just like every cardinal sin of ux was kind of uh in like the entire line of your equity just disappears when the strike <laughs> zero. zero so so I, i actually i had people um in in in, in uh, like not in my office but like on in in in, in zoom calls were extremely upset because they actually thought it was once it zeroes out it never comes back it just yeah, they lost it, it they don't it have was just the removed from yeah. the ux so yeah. anyway like the, I, i'm this is in, like uh, probably oversharing here but like we, we're like okay so two things we're gonna do first we're gonna take over the ux like we, we this is uh, this is it's we're a product company we are good at this like all shop for doors takes the insane complexity of a world of commerce and makes it uh usable by 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 by, by, by hopefully everyone so um this is the same problem let, 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 let's go build the ux Now, what do we want from this? Can, can, once we own the UX, can we actually move agency over? And so this is sort of went into this concept of, can we just let people choose? Like, because, you know, sometimes executives uh, coming in said like, Hey, I would actually like, yes, you're doing 50 50, but can I have like slightly more? Like, if this is available to executives, it should be available to everyone. Um, I, 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 I exactly. just think if you're a top employee you and you're sophisticated when it comes to your equity your rsus restricted stock units for people who don't know that you're going to be like hey listen you were going to pay me 200 grand you were going to give me 40,000 in options i already made money at my last company i'll take a hundred but can i get a little more equity exactly and so, it's a negotiation that people are willing to have with the top five percent of the organization but it's, it's it's so hard to do that with everybody but you found a way to make it easier which is This is like a mortgage calculator. You know, sometimes you go calculate your mortgage, you got your score, you got your down payment. And so people can actually understand and move sliders back and forth. I probably need to speed up on this. Like, the, 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 I mean, the biggest changes we made here is like, we actually uh, uh, just moved everything to like, here's your annual income. Like, uh, it is calculated based on, um, uh, you know, the grand value. Like, like we, we, we just like, like figured out a heuristic by which we can convert the old system and new system and then everyone got an offer um to uh here is what the new system what your wallet size is and uh for everyone who opted in which was um, basically everyone now it's like something where every quarter you make a decision and you get the stock options that you chose and you get them at that value so like then so so this is like like this is actually where the real differences are in the system so we've moved completely away from three-year grant we be um you're just getting whatever the agreed value is, is the one you're getting. There's some discounting, I think, as you have on the screen right now, but like, um, it is for people to choose RCS or stock options, depending on what they want. But so if I take more stock, I get a little extra because I have more skin in the game, I take it. And it's, uh, and it's more risk. You're, 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 you're yeah. like, it should be risk adjusted to some degree, right? Like, um, um, and frankly, we, in some cases, like just for cash flow purposes, we actually want people to take, uh, to, to, to take, take options because they, they, Yeah, they are playing that purpose on our side as well. So we have the ability to um, uh, offer incentives to for people to go into options, um, uh, which which we are not doing much with. But in the future, you can imagine um, that there might like if 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 everyone's in cash, maybe there's more discounts for uh, on 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 the options to get people into that or whatever. I think I think there's a it's just a lot we, uh, that that becomes a lot easier. And 
there's a common ground truth of what everyone is making that doesn't require like that where you don't forget that you're also getting equity where you don't forget that you like us use made like like this is pre-tax and post-tax and like it, it just everything becomes very comparable easy in this market we're all sick of hearing so much bad news my god layoffs inflation funding drying up but early stage investing is slowly starting to heat up again. Trust me, I know I'm, I'm doing all these meetings. So all is not lost, folks. It's not all bad news. And I want to tell you about one of my favorite startups. And this one's out of New York City. It's called Masterworks. Masterworks is an alternative asset investment platform. And they're focused on blue chip art. Now, you know, alternative asset allocation is projected to grow, and it's projected to grow at an average of 17.5% within the next two years, according to market intelligence firm Cerulli Associates. Masterworks grew to $500 million under management in just five years. Wow. And so far, they've averaged 29% net returns for their investors. And I've made a couple of investments myself on the platform. I have a Basquiat. I'm so proud that I own a little bit of that. And uh, when I see the picture, I just think, oh, that's awesome. I own some art. Super innovative what Masterworks has done. And Masterworks, if you didn't know, is one of the only startups in the world to become a unicorn after its first fundraise. They've done so well. There's a huge wait list to get on the platform. But you can skip the line, jcal style, at masterworks.io slash twist. That's masterworks.io slash twist so you can skip the line. See important regulatory aid disclosures at masterworks.io slash CD. What's great about it too, I think, you know, you, you had this great post where you're like, hey, listen, we're not a family. We're a sports team. We're here to win. We're here to get better at our jobs every day. Everybody's got a role on the team. Everybody should be thinking about their contribution. Uh, and listen, if you if you don't make a contribution, like you can't be on the team, that's kind of how teams work. Whereas in a family, if you're a screw up, you, you're still part of the family. Like we've all got somebody in the family who's a complete screw up. Um, but being a product first company like this, and then letting people have agency is so brilliant. Because what I find is sometimes people will come to you as the leader of a company. And, and I've been through this to a much smaller scale, but they, they're looking at you like, well, why are you doing this to me? Or like, I am, this is being put on me. I, I don't have the ability. I'm just a victim here. And it's like, you're not a victim. You chose to work at this company. And now we're making it even easier for you to choose long term versus short term. Hey, maybe you need cash now. You got over your skis with your mortgage or you, you got to take care of a parent. You don't want to go long. You just need cash. Great. But you can set it quarterly. That's a bold decision. My God, the, the finance organization must have fought it's you crazy. quarterly. Yeah, they must yeah. have been like, no, well, Toby, <laughs> yearly, every uh, two years. What did they say to you when you came up with this idea? Well, I asked for by week, uh, like twice a month. <laughs> I, I just wanted to do it with a paycheck, to which they pointed out rightfully that a lot of our like our European employees like are getting monthly. So like anyway, um, you were asked it, to do it. <laughs> yeah. twice a month the finance I, team was to spit their coffee out i i, I just wanted to do it i mean I, you always ask for <laughs> you know the, the ideal Good thing negotiation and, 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 and when, you, when you figure out where you land but like um uh yeah like I, I just basically wanted to make it like super independent of uh like like you choose how you want it and like it comes to you in terms of cash as use or, or stock depending on what you what, what you choose um again stocks a little bit down you get actually more stock because again the the money is uh, like you know, stock stock goes up. Whatever you've uh, like took a stock you you have in a bank is worth more. Like it's it's kind of it works. Like think about the counterfactual to uh, if if you would have been on the system all along. Um, um, uh, like, like this would have been 
like the internal like a, a lot a lot of internal complexity would have not existed uh, with the system which is interesting because like i mean I, i've been trying frankly to get to the system for for for, for many years i, I it's, it's not like it wasn't it wasn't the first time uh, we, we we talked about uh, uh like this um and i have a particular sort of um propensity for wanting to rethink things especially if everyone does the same thing then i get really suspicious of it uh, there's usually a way to do it better i don't by the way i don't know if this is better like that I, I will report back um there, there are clear downsides that people can level at it like for instance it's clearly not as retentive as like a free uh, uh option grant right like um uh, right so, 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 so what you're saying is yeah if you if you want to lock people up give them the gold and handcuffs like making them negotiate every couple of years yeah. you could lord it over them a bit more so if you were in lorded over mode as a as a as a management team you'd be like well we can kind of have our thumb over these folks but i i suspect if you yeah. want the best folks giving them agency creates a less um parental child relationship and more of a peer relationship that's I exactly correct? what i'm exactly what i'm going for you, you you're spot on i i, I did uh, you 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 like my note on leadership i i, I wrote one on uh, leaving well <laughs> um which is like there's basically three things you can do in a company. You can leave too early, which sucks for you. You can leave um, uh, too late, which actually sucks for you and for the company. Um, and 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 you can leave right on time, which works for everyone. <laughs> and and I think um, the sort of retentive component of uh, uh, of stock options, like the golden handcuffs, very very often just simply cause the like the, like like the, the bad sides of these things. It's like people who actually really want to be somewhere else stay around because they have to and. Honestly, that just actually doesn't work for the company or you. You you become more bitter over this. Um, I I think everyone should be working where they can be a superstar. Uh, and yeah, so it's I I, I like well, I'm not too happening hung up on now. It. I don't I don't know if you've been following, and I don't want you to have to comment on other peers to your company, but I will. <laughs> you know, you look at Google and Facebook now. You know, Sundar is like you know people need to recommit, and Facebook is like you need to reapply to another part of the organization, and, and they they won't even do layoffs, right? They're, they're, they won't take the medicine to say we're cutting 10%. They're like, we're going to reorganize, make all these units smaller, you have to reapply to go to another place. And a lot of this has to do with stock comp. A lot of it has to do with kind of like forcing people to reapply for their jobs. And it's dysfunctional. And to your point, if you're a player, if this was the NBA, we want you to get as many minutes in the game as you deserve. And hey, if our team has you know, we don't have enough minutes to go around, maybe you'd be better off playing for a team with the worst record, and playing more minutes, and maybe that's better for you. And that's really what you want as a boss, nobody wants to deal with this dysfunction. And the dysfunction at Google has really built up, you know, Google's initial idea, I remember talking to, I'll just say, senior, senior people at Google, leave it at that, in the early days. And they were like, we have a money printing machine, we're hiring every talented person we have, we can find, and if they're super smart and talented, we'll figure out what job they do later. And then somebody told me like, and if they're working here, they can't build a competitor. It was literally Google took the money printing machine and was like, it would be like somebody like the Yankees or like the Knicks being like, we have so much money at the Lakers, we're just going to pay the top 10, these 10 players to be on our bench as backups, even though we know we can't put them in the game. So they're not on other teams that could win the championship. It was a crazy move, but nobody wants to live with that dysfunction. Yeah, I mean, it's game theoretically perfect to do it, right? Like, it's like, it's, you want, you, like, it's a great strategy. Like, I mean, I think Google actually literally had a bench, right? Like, um, they've even called it that for a while. I don't know. Like, I, I, th I think, um, 
I mean, there's cycles and there's uh, there's fashions, and I think I, I think um, I'm always suspicious about how these stories end up being reported. I sort of see like how um, I don't know, like people end up writing. I mean, obviously writing about Shopify and like it, it, it's amazing the ability by people to sort of like turn something into something that sounds like this sort of brash, like random decision that came on a whim. But actually, like I happen to know we've been you know discussing you know from philosophy like sociology and, and first principles for like three years and like we like uh, we, we built something completely different but like uh you know so the above the iceberg component of it is being uh like reasoned about and you know i i i think actually all this is probably good because um uh, uh because i think the, uh, like most companies are just more <laughs> I think they're starting to see their role again as uh, uh, companies, right? Like, and, and and I think people have tried to 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 move companies into the realm of, I don't know, like sort of m like mock uh, academia a little bit, um, and that has downsides. And um, I mean, I I, I don't even mean, but like, I think there's some companies which went so far to it, like <laughs> move like at, like see what value there is in daycare um, uh, to to extract and uh, I guess run the counterfactual to the rest of the industry to like make make workplace a little bit more like that. I think that's um, like outrageous, and I'm glad I never had to participate in that kind of experiments on the employee side. So like, I think um, you know humans are awesome and like. It's so much better than everyone seems to think, you know, like, just like, like, you know, it's hard to create environments which are creative. And, um, but like, if you, if you put your mind to it, uh, and don't like just copy everything that worked for others, uh, and, and, and try to build something that's like uniquely worth, worth it for kinds of type of problems that you, you are solving and that augments your company culture, you, you, you end up with something that you know, just creativity com comes from everywhere and where, people hopefully fall in love with the products you're creating and um, where, where kind of everyone's holding each other accountable or actually reaching over, um, you know, s someone falling behind and like ha helping them and saying like, hey, here's like the thing you're missing uh, and and let's work on, uh, on, on your growth so you can be part of this team. And, you know, that's exactly what everyone wants, isn't it? Like, so we're hiring the people who are like super signed up for this kind of thing. We pay extremely well for like... Um, um, but we paid in an almost paternalistic way where we make all the decisions about what's good for you. And so this is, this was our opportunity to just switch over to something that's cohesive of a way we want to run the business. Well, I mean, you're also going to self-select for people who want agency and the people who want agency, I think are going to correlate with people who make good decisions on their own. And when you're running a business, I mean, speed matters, you've got serious competition, you want people to make decisions and you don't want people sitting around. A, a lot of companies have had big challenges because nobody wants to make a decision. And, and, and it's kind of why startups exist. How many times have you been slowed down by time consuming tasks like data entry and rescheduling all these meetings? Imagine how productive you could be if you dropped all that back office stuff and you started focusing on things like growth and product. Well, help where is people as a service and it's going to make you bionic. And before I even finish this ad read, I just want you to go to helpware.com slash twist and sign up and get $1,000 off right now. Basically, Helpware helps outsource tasks that are slowing your team down, the mundane stuff, data entry, to more complex tasks like customer support and even AI operations. And wait until you hear about their clients, DoorDash, Google, Microsoft, Amazon, and more. 
you know, people are scaling, they got big data sets, AI operations, you get the idea. All of these mundane tasks can be done by helpware. Imagine all of your top performers. And now imagine them wasting zero time on back office tasks and having them all focused on growing and building your business. That's what's possible with helpware. So go to helpware.com slash twist to get $1,000 off your first invoice. That's right, H-E-L-P-W-A-R-E.com slash twist for $1,000 off. And hey, welcome to the Twist family, Helpware. Let's talk a little bit about uh, layoffs. You had to lay off a bunch of people. Uh, that's a first for you. Uh, how did you come to the decision? And, you know, just how was it for you as the founder to have to go through that? I think for the first, I think that was the first time you had to do it at that uh, scale, it was, yeah? It was definitely the first time I do it. And it was, uh, I mean, it, it crushing is the only word. Yeah, it, it's crushing, like, it's, yeah. it's, uh, I, I, I see, um, I, I, I believe in like there's well-defined uh, different tasks. I, uh, you know, build a company that's really, really, really worth working for. And um, I, feel like every job offer is um, our commitment that this is the right place for you to join, like that, that your career is going to go better when you join here. Um, and our mission is going to move further when you join here. We, this is like actually the, 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 the concept of employment is the agreement that this is like the optimal uh, 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 thing, uh, thing to do for the next alignment, three. Right, this alignment, alignment yeah. between these two yeah. things. Yeah. So, so uh, it's crushing. Um, Partly, like for for multiple reasons, it's it's, it's you have individual experiences, which uh, uh, and you hear about it, of course, and 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 you want to do people uh, right, and 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 you have to tell people that you're gonna do something which is gonna be a very consequential thing in their own careers, um, and um, that they have no agency over. That is actually where we have like to make a decision for them, and sometimes for no fault of their own. And it's crushing because um, I uh, made these commit, like I, I see that I have made these commitments, and in some cases I probably was wrong. Some people should have taken uh, like an offer of a company that didn't have to go through, through this. Now I couldn't have yeah. known this back then, but still, it's uh, it's falling short of my own standards. So uh, some of our hardest days. Um, I uh, the reason why we had to do it, well, um, I mean, we could have also chosen not to do it. Like it, it, it would have been possible. Uh, uh, to, 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 to potentially not do it. I think that would have been easier on everyone, but actually worse on the people that might have been affected. This is like, this is a hard thing to, to, to argue for and, and people ought to take the other side for me to steal, to, to, to steal man this. But, um, the reason why I, why I say this is like, we had to hire ahead a lot for, um, the e-commerce, um, uh, explosion that we talked about earlier just like uh, the servers right the 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 servers should have been had next year or maybe even two years capacity so you're hiring what for a year or two years from now in terms yeah. of your thinking yeah we we more than uh oh man we, we, we more than doubled so it's like up six thousand people in two years or something like uh, or more even like it's it's it, we, we expanded a lot um because um you know there's you know like we we did not want to compromise product. We see, uh, so for instance, customer support as product. It's like, again, we, we meet people very early in the entrepreneurial journey. They, they are often, um, they, they are courageous, but like, um, their, their commitment waivers. They, they, they might actually call us to, to, to ask what's the next task. Um, they, uh, like they, um, they, they, they are not sophisticated yet. Uh, like, like they, they are on the learning journey, but they are, there's a lot of new things to learn after they start. Uh, like very often, people start the Shopify store as before they incorporate or do anything else. 
Um, so, so uh, you know, that's when, 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 when someone talks to us, we see this as actually our product um, um, uh, represented instead of through web browsers for people. And uh, so um, that required a lot of, you know, getting, getting ahead. And um, we, because we didn't want to compromise these, these, uh, the, the quality um, uh, that, that they set for ourselves um, on, on those things. So, you know, there's all sorts of reasons where we had to build capacity ahead of uh, d d demand because it just takes a while to hire and onboard. And um, when we didn't need, once we knew, like once we had the data, um, it's like, well, we can now engage in saying, okay, well, let's change the job you're doing. Let's find something else. Let's, but, or, or allow people in certain groups, like maybe start a bench, right? Like that's, that's, yeah. like, that's not fair to everyone else, right? Like, no. so, so in, in a company dynamics perspective, it's just, it, it would co it would compromise the company we are and the way we view solving problems. And so we really the right deciding. decision. Yeah. I mean, to steal man it for you, like everybody comes into this concept, like we buy in that this is a dynamic environment. And the reward for working in a dynamic, competitive, capitalistic system is that you can win, you can lose, you can make mistakes. And so everybody kind of buys into that. And it's double opt in. People can leave at any time. And the company can change its plans. And that's why the West and capitalism in the West has won versus authoritarian societies that can make unilateral decisions to pick winners, like mm -hmm. literally in a competition where the government can pick the winner, say China, um, or any other country, they can't beat competition, rabid, dogged, gritty competition will always win will always win. And we were sitting here, I don't know, last year, two years ago, I was in this debate with my besties on all in sometimes, oh my god, like, China's gonna roll us. And I was like, mm, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure that, you know, if they don't let entrepreneurs battle it out in the arena, you know, that's why we're battle tested here. And you have this giant competitor in Amazon, you got to wake up every day. And these two gladiators go at each other. This is the, the next jump of point I wanted to go to you uh, with you. They have a tenuous relationship, an unpure relationship with their partners. You have a pure relationship. You support people who want to sell stuff on the internet. You, they only work with you to the extent you help them. Amazon studies the people on their platform. And let's just be honest, you know, uh, call it what it is. Amazon Basics, 50 other white label brands, they copy them. They pull the rug out from under them. And, uh, you know, it's becoming a bit of an antitrust issue for Amazon. So obviously, you don't have to comment on their antitrust issues. But I'm curious, when people call that customer support line you talked about and customer support as a feature as an actual product is brilliant. Uh, shout out to Tony Shea, rest in peace, our friend from Zappos, mm. who really, you know, I think set a standard here for everybody. Yeah, to hit. I lost a good one there. Oh, it's so brutal. Um, I was thinking about him a lot when I was at Burning Man. Um, and uh, you know, you think about his his contribution there, and you think about what your advice is to those pe those people who are selling when they come in to your ecosystem. What what does a person say on the phone? Like, hey, should we put our stuff on Amazon, <laughs> or should we go direct? H how do you think about that? If you were giving advice, let's say one of your siblings or a cousin started a, a store, what would you advise them privately and say, like, here's how to think about getting something out of being listed on Amazon or baby, here's the things you should be concerned about. I mean, so this might make you surprise you. I, I wouldn't like reflexively say no, it depends a lot on what you what you're selling. Um, 
I mean, if, 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 if you're selling any kind of necessity, you, you definitely want to be on Amazon because that's where people look for them. But it can be a right strategy as long as you go in eyes wide open. Like uh, Amazon is in no way doing something here with a, with a store brand that hasn't been done in retail forever. Like this is exactly what Kirkland is. This is like, you know, there's like entire, like I mean, Trader Joe, I think is the sort of North American version of Aldi, right? Like it's just like all store, uh, store brands. Um, the retail industry is uh, like a beautiful manifestation of capitalism <laughs> in its very pure form, if it, like what's and all, right? The question is always like, uh, what do you need to differentiate yourself? Like if you have a unique product, like that's, <laughs> and go on Amazon, you soon will not have a unique product. Uh, same with if you go on uh, Alibaba, uh, like AliExpress, you will also very quickly not have a unique product anymore. But if, 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 if a particular product is, uh, like, we find that very rarely it's actually the, the, the product straight up. Uh, the, the, again, in our capitalist, um, like in our Adam Smith uh, society, we, 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 den- we tend to think about economics a little bit too much about utilitarian value. Like uh, goods and so serv- like, uh, like are much more about there's a lot more emotion in there. There's a lot more like belonging in there. There's so like um, the story. Like, it's, there's there, there's a story that like you like there's there's like how often have you had this situation where I don't know like you you, you encounter someone who um, ha- carries uses a similar brand maybe like car type or 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 um, something you're excited about and, and and you feel an instant connection because there is one like it's this exists. This is not made up, right? This is hobby book. So. Um, uh, you know, so if, if your core concept of your uh, business is um, that you stand for something as a business and that you have, um, uh, uh, like, that, that, that there's a community of people, like, then um, you should probably be everywhere because you should look for people who are opting into your idea and your worldview even everywhere and that can involve Amazon. Like, people are making different choices about this, you know. So, you know, we have we have a lot of Shopify stores, uh, people who were on Amazon and then they publicly got, uh, uh, you know, copied and um, uh, uh, left there. And I think, I don't know about the current status of all birds, but they have a complex history, for instance, and they're, they're yeah. one of our favorite stores because they started on Shopify and then went public uh, as one of our customers, which is just such a cool um, uh, thing to be able to say. Wow, I yeah. didn't realize that they were built on your stack. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a super and great, like amazing entrepreneurs. And, and so... Um, uh, it's just, so, so I I guess what I'm saying is I don't have a straight up answer because it really depends on like, like on you. Amazon is just a sales channel at the end of the day. It's a very good one. It's like at times it might be the best in the world and for some categories uh, at least. Um, uh, and, uh, people should like entrepreneurship is tough enough. Don't, 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 uh, say no to a channel for some idealist, like idealistic reasons or do it if, if that's cohesive with your brand, but like, um, I, I, maybe Amazon can play a role. And um, I love the idea of just putting a sliver of your product offering there to kind of acquire customers, get the brand out there so people don't get nothing when they go to the site, but then have these more unique things. And, you know, I think there, there are some, you know, sharp edged, sharp uh, elbowed business practices that I think we do need to think about with them. Uh, I think they should just get out of the basics business, like get, get out of the house brand business and then just this idea of like maybe leaning on people about their pricing, like it should be up to the merchant to decide what the price is in whatever store they want. If they want to charge one price on their store and one price at Target in person and one price at, you know, Amazon, that, that should be, you know, uh, up to the the merchant themselves. 
let's talk about like the the pace of delivery. There was this idea that like everybody wanted everything immediately. And then I've seen signs that maybe for some categories, if you need deodorant or quart of milk, of course, yeah, get it to me as quick as possible. But it does seem like maybe we went too far in fulfillment and people are now choosing, I, I could get this a little bit slower if it was cheaper or can I get less boxes? Maybe we could talk about what you're seeing there in terms of fulfillment. What, what do consumers want and what's the best yeah. practice? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm knee deep in this, right? Like because we are, we are building warehouses and all these kind of things. So like uh, it, it's... Um, I mean, that is uh, probably my favorite. Like, I, I just find the the delivery world and the fulfillment world to be absolutely fascinating. It's, it's it just has all the kind of components of like nineties uh, piece, like computers. <laughs> like, it's it's like it's like it's like the, you build your own computer from like yeah. components and 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 get and, your motherboard, get uh, your power uh, supply, uh, buy a yeah. case, yeah, uh, put some memory in. <laughs> Well, and then you go to Radio Shack and get a faster quartz and solder it in because that's the best way. You know, it's just like 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 people are doing these super unscalable, non-productized things to it's to, like to building to, a muscle car. You're like yeah, change yeah, yeah, the carburetor. Yeah. I need to put different rims on this. Yeah. Yet we are expecting every retailer to go through this. Uh, it, it's clearly not um, uh, meant to be for them. And so we are, like this is actually something Shopify is trying to fix, of course. But like sooner is better. But like there is a uh, depending, it, it is exactly this sort of necessities sooner is everything. Um, so it's almost like, like if you can't meet, make, get things this fast, don't play. It's like, it's, uh, it's no, there's no demand past like two days, three days speed. Um, if, if you are in, uh, an, a, another category, like, uh, anything that's, uh, uh, like something you want rather than something you need, um, like, you know, sneakers, Alberts, or whatever. Sooner is better. It's a better experience. It's 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 a digital equivalent, I guess. Um, of um, when you go in a physical store and the music is perfect, lighting is great, the stores don't squeak. The, 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 the people, the help is uh, like the like the people, the store keeps are um, friendly, and um, uh, so so it's part of experience. It it will get you uh, the thing you really want, which is lifetime customer value. <laughs> It'll get repeat customers because uh, you know a lot of the first sales actually are happen at margin, uh, especially with, uh, the sort of occurrences of, uh, uh, advertising changes now. And, um, it, it's, it's really afterwards that you pick up, uh, margin. Um, uh, so, so it, it's, a, it's a big part of that, but it's, it's, it's not nearly like it's, it, it's, it's a fairly, it's a curve when it drops off at like probably seven days at which point, like never again. It's my, it depends on again, what it is. It's usually, um, a little bit earlier, but we separate this out in, in a couple of things. And, 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 and what we are working on super hard at Shopify, um, is that, um, in the future for even for the smaller retailers, what you will see on a, on a, on a product page is, uh, is, is, is a shop guarantee, which says this thing will either be with you like tomorrow, uh, two days from now or before the weekend. Those are actually the three things of significance. The last one is overlooked, um, because. Um, a lot of the things that people want, they want for the next weekend. That's a super common thing. Ah, that's fascinating. Um, it's like your home projects, like your, um, you, you know, you're going to play. You have your time guitars. to unbox. Like, you let's have face time it, like, to unbox. It's, that, it's got, just unboxing all this stuff coming to our houses is a little bit time consuming. It is. You know? So, so, so these are the free guarantees that we think are of a lot of value. Um, we are going to have thousands and thousands and billions of dollars um we, we allocate to uh, thousands thousand people and billions of dollars we are going to allocate towards making it so that um from a buyer perspective they can 
get things with such guarantees from as many small businesses as possible because that's fundamentally hard to do but like um it's very valuable and no one's built this what amazon's built is a very different thing which is unique to them they have warehouses of 20 million SKUs, whatever like and, and all of them can randomly be boxed together that's not the way small small medium businesses work they they have smaller catalogs and so on the details don't matter. We'll, we'll, we'll get it done. And I think that, um, you know, like at, at this point, we found that there's a, there's an increasing amount of small businesses that actually have started, um, rightfully, um, renaming free delivery to sustainable, like, uh, to, like actually, like, um, slower delivery options mm -hmm. is what I meant to say, um, to, uh, more sustainable because it, it, it yeah. like the faster it goes, the most likely it goes on a plane, which is, uh, not carbon neutral at all. So, um, you know, I, I think I think people will pick different places on on this. Some people it's really will always interesting want the fastest. In terms of the abundance we have in society, I was just reading an FT article before I got on the show, and they were just talking about how there's now all these examples of GDP going up while emissions go down. And you're like, well, of course you can have both. It's called technology. It's called yeah. thoughtfulness. And I'm finding as a consumer, and maybe it's because I have kids and I'm getting older. But I'm just thinking about my footprint. I'm thinking about waste. I'm making, you know, my iced coffee at home instead of buying a ton of blue bottle boxes. Uh, you know, I got rid of the salsa cases of salsa coming, you know, La Croix train coming every two weeks with cases and just drinking iced tea instead. And I, I do think people really care about that that footprint. Let's talk about payments. You got you have your own payment channels now, right? You have yep. Shopify uh, payments. I think you call payments. Yeah, um, and then we have shop, shop Pay, which a lot of people have some familiarity with, right? Like because that's when you see you buy something from someone and you get like a code, and then it all just zooms. I through. love that. Oh, that's so smooth when you just go to a website and it's got Shop Pay. So you're you're, you're kind of like uh, going against Stripe. There or PayPal. You have that built into the system. Why would people use the you know the Shopify payments versus Stripe? It's basically so, a wash in terms of cost, but it's just more simple and elegant. Uh, well, it's actually like it, like a lot of the software underneath Shopify Payments is Stripe. This is one of the longest standing partnerships in technology. If you're actually sometimes wondering with Patrick about if there is any other like partnership that has seen both companies grow as much as Shopify did and Stripe did from the point where we started first partnering uh, almost ten years ago, um, and and you know we like so that's been that's been really really one of the great success stories there so um stripe is our uh you know technology partner for 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 a lot of uh these components um <laughs> we certainly have enough uh like a bit of in a big, big enough chunk of uh, <laughs> world of logistics software and uh world of commerce software to 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 keep us busy so um why did people use it well i i mean it's it's the reason people come to us now it's like it's it's you convert like you you're your conversion rate is going to be massively lower if you don't have shop pay it's 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 such a uh common uh, like like cart abandonment rates on every non-shopify e-commerce software are through the roof because people get to the checkout can't find shop pay oh, and leave it's death it's death to see like fill out my information again like yeah. it literally i i see this sometimes where i'm like i'll wait till i'm at my desktop or my for some reason this website is not letting me autofill and i'm like how do you not get autofill right in 2022? Like, this is table stakes. Like, they're, but you know, I, I understand they're, they got some small store. They don't even go through the user checkout process ever. They just set up their store. They never even think about the UX because I don't know, whatever they're selling, you know, some bespoke product, they're not software experts. What do you think about this uh, buy now, pay later phenomenon? Um, 
is that like here to stay and people love it or is it faddish what do you how do you even think about that and in your role in it I, I mean, uh, so it's, it's something people people buy. Uh, uh, f I mean, it's something we offer for for merchants who want it, and it's 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 a it's a. There, there's some groups it's extremely popular with, uh, partly because um, I mean, there's a lot like the credit cards are in, uh, in, in engaged in. Um, they're, they're, they're taking a lot of risks, which, you know, to, to their credit, they're, they're courageous companies. <laughs> um, because, uh, you know, usually companies of their size are not courageous. Um, so the, the, the way this courage manifests is like in fees <laughs> that they are mm. pushing. And, um, um, yeah, you know, like consumers on one side are deciding, Hey, maybe I should just get a debit card and just use buy now, pay later to basically get credit back. And because that actually, allows the underwriting to happen to people who are willing to do it much uh, uh, more economical. And uh, so that's one aspect. It's especially with, 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 with younger um, purchasers. That's a very, very common thing. This is why you see buy no pay later so much um, or why initially it became such a big thing so quickly. Um, and then, uh, you know, high AOV for, for it's a big unlock for high AOV for high uh, cost merchants, like the mattress, uh, Peloton bikes and so on, like things that cost like, a big, like fairly big outlay is per perfect. Considered purchase purchases, yeah. It can it can take a considered purchase and maybe make it a little more, yeah. Take a little bit of the friction out, right? Like, yeah, yeah. okay. If I'm paying for it monthly, I mean, I don't, I, I don't need to do it. And like sometimes I get these offers and I'm like, wait a second, zero percent, and I can pay for it over three years for my iPhone. Maybe <laughs> I should do that. And I'm like, I don't care. Like, uh, but it, it does seem to be a really elegant solution for some merchants who like you're saying have those, you know, headwinds against them. Maybe it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it it's it, it makes I, I'm in I know some of the data like, it, again, it's it's not a universal solve. But it, for for some business, it is a absolutely massive change. Um, and really, and then made it made a massive difference. Yeah, like, uh, a massive difference for their cash flows, massive difference, like, like expansion of uh, their products. Um, uh, you know, the amount of people who like could purchase it. Um, it's so again, your credit is, I mean, our, our economies are built on top of credit, right? Like, um, um, our economies get, um, you know, <laughs> for better or for worse, right? Like, uh, you know, like sometimes people are bad with credit. I think that might like that, that, that periodically occurs. And then we usually go in some kind of uh, correction. Um, but, uh, like there's a lot of brainstorming about how to do credit well and it's like now starting to be done by companies like you know a firm is just extremely good at it um uh for, yeah, for, max for is brilliant yeah exactly i mean he's like sort of i mean he he's done this kind of underwriting even at paypal uh back in those days so so he's been thinking about this longer than everyone else and you know the software industry is like it's just the way software works gives new possibilities and you know the credit cards are all you know as if they continue like this just uh pushing everyone to like rethink uh, of um you know wherever underwriting ought to occur and so i think it's it's i mean to your point competition is good and so i'm i'm, I'm you know if all the buy now pay later will eventually do is like get the credit card products to be improved to 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 absorb some of the um uh, uh you know um experience of this because it's just kind of it's 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 structured more fairly it's a lot more above ground uh, it's more clear how, how much it costs in the end yeah then i, mean, I think that's good. what they're paying they get this like huge credit card bill and they, they everything is obscurified and yeah. you know if max 
is really smart at architecting these things, he's going to know like, yeah, th this, the, this 25% in this cohort. Yeah, no problem. Let them rip, they can, they'll, they'll pay their bills, they got a job, we got the we got the data here, they're going to pay their bills. Hey, this group, yeah, we might want to pump the brakes or give them a different deal and just make it up front and, uh, you know, throttle them if need be. Uh, but yeah, it's the, I, I am looking at it going, I hope people aren't maxed out on their credit cards. Yeah. And they're doing buy now pay later. That's the only one I'm worried about is like, Agreed. those two groups of people are competing to empower people to make purchases. I just hope that they have insight into what each other are doing in some way, right? Like, yeah, I guess the merchants do and your technology does. They, they, I mean, they, they do. Uh, but uh, that's the right thing to worry about, you know, when you're hiring people today, uh, we've seen some generational shifts, like we're Gen Xers, we just want to work and crush it put 50 60 hours a weekend, like we take really pride in careers. What are you seeing with these younger generations? Because you're hiring a lot, I'm sure, plenty of millennials, obviously, but you got a lot of Gen Z's probably coming in. And uh, I'm assuming you're work from home mostly. How are you managing this younger workforce? We hear a lot of like, maybe they don't have the same work ethic, some of them, maybe they don't want to come to work. Labor participation in the United States, I don't know if you track these numbers, but we're, you know, in 1999, we, we had 70%. Now we have 61, 62%. Like we've got a whole swath of people missing from the workforce here in the United States. I don't know about Canada. I do find my Canadian, I have a lot of Canadian employees and I, I find they stay longer, they work harder, more consistent, more appreciative of the job. I don't know if that's your experience as well. It definitely is mine. But but how do you think about employment and hiring and just managing great people in a time when it seems like maybe some people don't want to come work? A lot of people are opting out of working. But let, I mean, we should acknowledge that there's probably an unbroken chain for as long as humans have been around that the like, like one generation voice about the next yes. one's work ethic, right? Like, so sure. uh, uh, partly because I think work looks different uh, in, in a way, but like, uh, and, and us Gen Xers so, uh, in, in, included, um, every generation will wrestle with a couple of really, 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 really bad ideas that are just kind of get very deep into the firmament and then people like have to just sort of work out right like i i i you know that might have been communism at some point you know like and and, and um uh you know hopefully people are paying attention to the report cards there um that that society's gotten back for how that goes um and it definitely uh, doesn't work out <laughs> no it really doesn't it's it's like this because a lot of reasons for why you should not want that um it's so weird that people are like hey tell me more about socialism and communism yeah, yeah. Like, just type in russia bread lines 80s like mm -hmm. when we were growing up in the 80s they were like on the news they showed you people in line to get one of one type of bread like anybody want that like yeah. one I, I mean, type I, of bread at a store and there's not much left <laughs> I, I'm not even making this like this is not as me making a veiled statement about the next generation. Even like I'm just sort of offering an uh, an example of like here's like a real confusion that existed that uh, you know existed. Although I mean I do know there's flirting with uh, that direction uh, of, of 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 a political spectrum again. I I think um, I, by the way I think the bread lines. Um, it's actually funny people are like actually having pretty fond memories of these bread lines. I, I know <laughs> enough people from East Germany that uh, who actually. Like there was the simplicity of it. <laughs> so, so which is of course post factum rationalization after you <laughs> it, you have no skin in the game anymore. However, I, I think the real tragedy is always the waste of human potential, right? It's like like yes. again, 
zero authority to even choose how you're going to contribute to the greater good, right? Like it's that, that's, that's, that seems like a, like we should stop aspiring to that, right? When someone, like, I, I don't know how you steal men, but that's somehow improves society, right? So just think so, about how everybody just didn't have the tyranny of choice and everybody just contributed to one type of bread. We all yeah. just had wheat bread and it was incredible. Yeah, it's it's some weird, yeah. like, post, it's some weird throwback to simplicity, maybe, or something that was elegantly simple. And it's like, no, that was not elegantly simple. That was a lack of abundance and suffering, mm -hmm. and starving, and boredom, like, and, and a lack of freedom is what it was. So, so is your assertion there like that, um, uh, the, the, the sort of anti-work Reddit, uh, sort of, if, if you make a category out of this, this is sort of yeah. a current um, thing that, that that's the problem. I, it's, it's, an, it's, it's interesting. I mean, we, we see some of this in, 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 in companies. Um, like sometimes there's a, <laughs> sometimes we see things directly reflected that was like trending like a couple, <laughs> like a while ago in anti-work as an idea, just like that comes up in a Q&A. It's, 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 I mean, that's, uh, that's quiet a, quitting. That's, like I'm going to phone in, I'm going to do the least amount of work. Like your manager should be able to figure that out. And there's always been people who phoned it in. The, the one I think is the most fascinating is the people who have three jobs and they're developers and they're so good at it. They're like, here's how to manage your three concurrent phone calls and laptops and the desktop monitoring. Like there was a story in the Wall Street Journal today about this like desktop monitoring software that has always existed in customer support, mm. by the way, mm -hmm. or if you're a trader, or if you work at a sales desk, or you work in finance, they've always had your desktop locked down, they know your keystrokes, they have to, because there's money on the line and transactions and all this kind of stuff. But that kind of stuff is, you know, people are now having to think like, if there's abuse in the system, I think bad managers are like, well, there's abuse in the system, therefore, everybody has to suffer. And it's like, uh, I, I don't buy that. But I don't run a, I don't run thousands of employees, I run dozens. But how, how do you think about the abuse in the system I mean, as I mean, portrayed in the media and subreddits? Because I, I don't even buy that this is like a widespread problem. I think it's like a five percent problem, if that. It, it, it's a it's a small, but uh, it's a small f a thing that people make it out to be. But it's uh, it's also like absolutely fascinating in terms of it. It's a problem that couldn't exist in any other decade. Like in in, in an office, it's just like you can't you can't do free jobs if you have to show up to the office. So like um um so so um. I, I, I have not encountered the like person who is so good that they can actually truly do free jobs well. I I I I'm I'm, I'm I, I think there's lots of people who potentially would have the capa capacity to do this, but I don't think they could pull off the context switches. So like I I, I just don't I don't fear that. Um, if they a, a, did, as a kind of thing, if they did, but I, if I, they I, did, it's in my mind. If you have somebody on your dev team, yeah, or your your sales team or a writer, whatever it is, and they're so gifted, they can pull off three jobs concurrently without anybody knowing about it. That's a failure of the three managers at the three companies. They See, didn't identify their excellence and make them the CTO or VP of engineering. You yeah. didn't challenge that person. That's like having Steph Curry on your team and you never thought like to tell him like, you know what, you should shoot them threes. You should shoot from the logo. Like, let it rip kid. Like that's the failure of management to recognize excellence. I. I I, I was, uh, I mean, you're, you're thinking exactly where I am. Like, I, I, I have, um, I think people have a tendency to, to, to solve, um, problems at the wrong layer, <laughs> like, and, and spend a shit ton of work on, on, uh, investing into, like, somehow making it work. I think 
almost universally these problems, uh, if, if, if there's a problems that people encounter are actually problems of performance management. Clearly, there's no clear set of expectations of what you want from someone. And if, if, if your performance management, uh, is, isn't well, good enough to say that, Hey, this person is, um, utterly underutilized and therefore should have like could do so much more for a mission or is like totally phoning it in because they're actually like in like three zoom calls at the same time and have a camera splitter that goes into all directions um and and, and like then then it's um i i don't know like this should just show up now it's it's certainly harder like uh, to do in in, in 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 a digital world but like again like also at, at hiring you, 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 like this is, everyone has to, like, this is an exercise for every company individually, but like part of your hiring process is like, I mean, depends on what you need, but like we, we, we want hardworking, smart, ethical people because if you only get two of those things, a third one will kill you every single time. So, um, you, so, so you, you, like you, you, in all these instances, you're missing ethics, um, because you, you're kind of defrauding or, Ah, it's a funny thing to pick a word, but like, no, do, I mean, like, people I mean, know when they're doing unethical stuff. Yeah, it's and unethical to def at the very least your colleagues around you, right? Like yeah. the rest of your team. Um, even if you don't believe that companies like are worthy of consideration for ethics as well, uh, um, but like uh, your colleagues certainly shouldn't shouldn't do this too. Yeah, no, it's completely unfair. Listen, you gotta go. Uh, I I think you are you I got you for over an hour. It's yeah. so great to talk to you, and it's so great to see you do well. By the way. You know, I, I do private company investing. That's my thing. I invest in 50, 100 companies a year. But I was watching the stock market this summer. And I sold like a bunch of these like ETFs. I had a bunch of stuff. And I was like, I'm just gonna pick the 10 companies that I think make the most beautiful product and have the great leadership. And like literally bought Shopify shares this summer. So this entire thing, I now have to do a disclaimer. I'm a shareholder. Uh, and uh, I was just talking to um, Tim Ferriss, actually, in the, like last year, oh, yeah. talking about like, how amazing like you are as an executive and thinking from first principles and building this stuff and like you, you know you have to make bets on people uh and their vision and it's just such an easy bet for me at least to, to bet on you for the next decade I'm, I'm buying shares in companies that i think 10 years from now i feel comfortable that like the leadership will have done a great job just listening to their customers and building products and making them like 10% better every six months, whatever it is, five or 10%, like compounding, mm -hmm. you know, innovation, you know, uh, innovation is just so powerful. And you're, you're just watching you build this company has been so great. And I'm, I'm just super stoked to be a shareholder now. So uh, yeah, back to work for you. I can't keep it for a second <laughs> yeah, hour anymore. I work for you, you now. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I, <laughs> this is all you allow me out of my cave. Um, uh, but that was a super nice thing for you to say. So it's like, yeah. uh, I, I'm, I'm like, that's that's extremely kind. So thank you very much. Yeah. yeah. Oh, all right, listen, brother. Uh, it's it's great to watch you do that. Uh, if you want to go work at a great company, uh, I don't know if you guys have a bunch of open racks now or probably some strategic mm -hmm. ones. Uh, you know, this is, I, I think, going to be one of the great companies of uh, our generation, Shopify.com. Go look at the job postings. And if you want to build a store and be an entrepreneur, like, it really is an incredible career path to to sell stuff online. You got how many merchants now? How many, just as we close here, how many uh, people like are? Two, over 2 million. Is, that's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. I, the thing I'm seeing is all of these now... Um, uh I, i'm following all the influencers like TikTok, youtube etc and they all kind of like top out in their ability to make ad revenue and they're like you know what i should do i should do what kim kardashian does and i'm just watching the influencer <laughs> set 
So I, I literally found an influencer, I wouldn't say which one in Canada. And I was like, you should be an entrepreneur. And we started talking. And I was like, I'll give you $25,000 to just incorporate and see yeah. if you can build a business out of this. Because you you got past a million followers, but there's like 10 different ways. And the first thing I said is like, what about creating like Shopify store and like the people in your orbit, you could just sell like this kind of branded product and then mash the content to the product. And he was like, yeah, that's incredible. And like, just great that you exist to, to empower people to be entrepreneurs. It reminds me of eBay back in the day, you know, uh, they just empowering people to, to have agency in their life. All right, brother. Love it. Thank you so much. Cheers, brother. See you soon. Always, always fun to be on. Always Thank fun, you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Okay. What an amazing interview with Toby. So candid great guest and uh, we really thank him for coming on and giving us so much of his time next up producer rachel is back with okay boomer enjoy okay boomer i understood the assignment hi everybody thank you for listening to this segment of okay boomer today i'm talking to a reoccurring guest jules turpak if you don't know jules is a digital culture commentator and today we're going to be talking about our lives moving more and more online so hello jules hey rachel how are you I'm good. So before we start the show, um, where can people find you on social media? They can I have a lot of people me. asking. Yeah, at Jules Turpak. I'm mostly on Twitter and TikTok, I'd say. Awesome. And I know you do most of your videos remote, um, but I kind of like being in person. So do you mind if we just switch this over to your office? I guess. <laughs> awesome. All right. We're going to do the rest of this actually in person with Jules. And I'm going to go hop on a train over to Grand Central and see her there. See you soon. Bye. All right. Thank you, Jules, so much for having me today in your office. This is one of the only recordings I've done IRL. I don't do that many. So this is pretty cool for me. Yeah, I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, you know what? Somebody's got to do things to make you uncomfortable. And honestly, I would be way more uncomfortable if I was in the metaverse. I don't know about you. Mm -hmm. um, but today I want to talk about... Um, is the metaverse where we're going because we already have apps like Be Real that everybody knows I'm a huge fan of. Mm -hmm. um, we're posting those Be Reals basically at the same time as your friends. You get one notification a day. It's instantaneous. If you don't know what Be Real is, Google it. You're living under a rock. We always talk about it on the show. Um, but it got me thinking if, we're, if we already have apps like Be Real where we're watching our friends doing what they're doing at that very moment, the exact same time we are, What's the next step? Like how more instant can we possibly get? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like you just said, everything's becoming more instantaneous. So the news cycle is getting so much shorter when it comes to like on Twitter and TikTok. Like if you aren't talking about something within the first 12 to 24 hours, like the wave has already passed. And we're seeing that with Be Real too, in terms of almost like replicating the in real life experience. So like everyone kind of feels this col this collective feeling of being somewhere all at once. Yeah. Is what we're seeing on Be Real. And I mean, that's not new. Like Twitter, I think has always had that more instantaneous feel to it when a current event happens. Like you run to Twitter, Twitter because you can search the name of the current event and funneling in is everything in real time that was most recently tweeted. So that's always been there. And in terms of like Clubhouse and everything, we're just getting, yeah, inching more towards collective experiences online to, yeah, again, replicate this in real life thing. We're seeing a lot of full circle situations with Netflix starting to do weekly drops, like yeah. how cable always was in the past because people, they're finding that people love that more in the way that let's like the streaming service to social media transition and like everyone talking about something all at once and feeling 
yeah, embrace together almost. We were kind of talking about that too before this recording started. How like interesting it would have been if there was like a be real, like all centered around Euphoria. Uh-huh. So yeah, you can't like watch Euphoria with your friends. You're in a different city. But what happens if the like HBO people knew exactly like when the shocking times were going to happen in Euphoria, and every time that happened, you'd get a notification. You would have to take a photo of your reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, like seeing those like immersive experiences happening that instantaneous can't be that far away from what we're doing right now. Do you think that there is a chance that Netflix or Hulu or HBO is going to come out with like their own social media platform anytime in the near future? I don't know about that because I think we're all very overwhelmed with how many social media platforms we have. I said this in an article with like TechCrunch of like, we can only compartmentalize like, first of all, our identity and also like, spread our minds to so many apps like yeah. social media apps right now there's more than five that are strongly positioned like how many can you click through during the day you know i have my typical rounds of twitter tiktok instagram and for me i can't really go over that like yeah i don't get on facebook or snapchat anymore because i'm like it's just too much for my mind so we're going to see in this it's kind of this i don't want to necessarily say monopoly or like these super app situations where like there are certain platforms that are all encompassing and take the power over every single aspect of this industry is what we're kind of seeing. We're seeing TikTok just is now about to release TikTok now, which is separate from the TikTok app. It's going to be a copy of Be Real. So yeah, we're just seeing that. And like you, we had talked about earlier today, like Instagram's trying to inch that way as well. So yeah. That is super interesting too. It's funny how um, we saw Instagram kind of try to copy Be Real um, in a report that came out. And basically there was like, yeah, like, they're creating it internally. It'll probably come out as like something that, that comes out in your story. Everyone's that I was talking to was like, why would we want Be Real for our Instagram story? Like we already have close friends. Be Real is for, at least for me, I don't know about you. Be Real is even smaller than my close friends. Mm-hmm. And then um, there's another platform copying it, Snapchat, I believe. And both of them like kind of tried to like sort of copy it. And TikTok just came in basically the same exact yeah no remorse basically the same thing it's like oh dang okay so it is interesting seeing that like this like almost like timed experience that will become a new normal in social platforms moving forward and be real as the app as we know it right now could cease to exist because we do want to consolidate the apps that we use um just to become more user Mm -hmm. like more user friendly the one thing that um i do balance between though with apps is actually where i get my news Mm -hmm. um i love like the axios app a ton like that's one of the apps i freaking love i use this one um platform it's called feedly mostly on my laptop where i like sort through a bunch of like different news articles that come from newsletters um i don't use the wall street journal app i think like axios i guess and reddit would be where i get my news the most but i'm always down to try new news Mm -hmm. apps so that's the only category of app that I want that I'd like be interested in seeing like a new one pop up. Mm-hmm. Um, and recently you showed me a new one. You said it was called Volve. Volve or Volve. I'm not Volve, sure. Yeah. V-O-L-V. Yeah. And it's basically their tagline was TikTok for news. Right. Yeah. And all the news that we see is just like, it fits within one screen. I think it's like half your screen. So it's really, really short. It has a visual. So it's like aesthetically <sighs> pleasing, but it also has like, yeah, it's like yeah. three to five sentences about something. They're from, vetted sources whether it's like legacy media or just like more like established independent media on the come up that they Mm -hmm. curate from but um i've been utilizing it here and there over the past few weeks since i was introduced to it and 
it does have that TikTok feel. Like you go on, you see like the quick bits of things throughout the day. You can pick your specific things that you're interested in. I did like, of course, like tech and like social media, all this different stuff. Um, and it's just a nice, like quick bit of information that doesn't have like all the personal mixed in as like on Twitter, I get a lot of my news, but like, of course, within that, those scrolls, there's a lot of like just people like shit posting or whatever. Yeah. So it doesn't have that. Do you think like there's going to be any other industries to come out and like TikTokify themselves? Like how other platforms have been like bereeling themselves? How we've seen obviously news try to now TikTokify themselves with uh, this Volve app, but mm-hmm. is there like anywhere else that you see could probably like pick up on this? I just feel like I can't think of a specific other one right now, but it's just the way things are moving in terms of. First of all, people's lack of focus, but it's not even just like lack of focus. It's all a product of the information overload that we're all experiencing. Mm -hmm. So people can only like, if they're giving more than 30 minutes of their day to something, that's like, that's a huge chunk of time. And people realize that. So there's all this consolidation in terms of length of media that's happening so that people feel like they they even give it interest in the first place because they see longer than 10 minutes on the video. They see anything, they're like, I, I don't have the time for this. There's that's a true. ton of stuff on the internet that I could be scrolling through that's shorter and might be more concise to give me my information. So it's kind of like all industries have to adapt to that type of messaging. I agree. Um, I want like a podcast version. Actually, I don't know if I want this because I think I am definitely like a, uh, a outcome of somebody that grew up, even though like when I was little, I didn't have like a device or anything like that. I don't think I really got into tech um, really heavily, probably until middle school. Yeah. Um, that's probably like, we're, we're the same age. That's probably when like we first were allowed to get on that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And I see kids a lot younger, but I, we basically grew up with technology yeah. in like our, our like formative years, I guess. Um, so I definitely a product of like the attention economy mm-hmm. at, at the biggest sense possible. And I was in Trader Joe's the other day. Okay. You have to go downstairs in Trader Joe's, um, to the one I go to no internet. Right. So I, that's like my, my audiobook time. And I was like, you know, what would be really cool if that's there's hilarious. a TikTok. For, hear me out, TikTok for podcasts. So they're like 30, mi- 30 second snippets mm-hmm. and it just funnels through like a bunch of 30 second snippets that I could like download, right? So it'd be like an hour of 30 second snippets or something. And if I didn't like Best a snippet, of. yeah, yeah. If, it, if it, I didn't like the snippet, just like tap the side of my AirPods or whatever. Um, I use wired headphones, but if I used AirPods, this would be cool. Like use case, like tap the side of my AirPods, have it go to the next like 30 second snippet. And I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. Like my attention span is going so small. I uh, like I saw a tweet the other day and I retweeted it because it was like, we need shorter podcasts. And I was like, yeah, like yeah. love the 30 minute and under podcast. Like that's how long my grocery shopping is. That's how long, like if I'm going on a run, it's probably around 30 minutes. Like that, that for me is like such a sweet spot. Um, and then for YouTube videos, it is probably around 10 minutes for me. I think like I get a lot of good content from a 10 minute video, anything longer. I'd go to Hulu or Netflix. Like by that point, you know, it's, a, it's, I would rather watch like a documentary yeah. or something. Uh, obviously there's like exceptions, like commentary videos where again, I could like kind of get up and walk around my house, like clean or mm-hmm. something. But for videos that to sit down and watch, my attention span is totally 10 minutes on YouTube. That's a good point in the way, cause um, I have friends, yeah, like in the film industry and everything. And just like even the quick jump cuts in movies are just becoming shorter again to help yeah. people's attention. Also, it's like, I saw like an author talk about on Twitter recently you know, you're, you're not competing with other books. You're competing with every type of media, which has always been true. But just like as this media landscape gets bigger and it's democratized and involves everyone, like mm-hmm. every user online, if you're a public user and you post, you're a creator or whatever. It's kind of like an overused word, but like 
you're competing with all this media. You're not just competing with books. Like it, it's affecting everything. How do you think like that's going to impact the creator economy moving forward or like creators as a whole? Like you said, in the movie industry, we've seen it impact things like jump cuts. Mm-hmm. Do you think a shorter attention span is going to affect the creators? Well, I think it just goes back to what we were saying, people needing to adapt in order to cater to the masses. Now you have to cater to people who just want short form content. Of course, there's still going to be people who want to utilize long form content for a wide variety of reasons. Mm -hmm. But yeah, creators need to get accustomed to being more concise in their messaging. Mm -hmm. And hopefully in doing that, they don't uh, take away value though, because they're of course in longer form, there's a lot more nuance. And therefore when there's more nuance, there's more value. So people have to become great storytellers in order for it to uh, resonate in a way that's like healthy for humanity. Yeah, no, (laughs) you've seen this impact too on things, including writing. Mm -hmm. Um, I use like the Hemingway app, which is like a platform that you can use on your computer. And it basically teaches you how to write like Hemingway, who is really famous for writing short, sweet, concise things. Um, And it just kind of, it's like grammarly for making your stuff really short and sweet. Like I totally recommend it if people are trying to write like a newsletter maybe. Um, and I'm like, well, this is kind of crazy. Like trying to write things uh, super clear and concise versus like how you were taught um, in school to try to do like creative writing classes. <laughs> Meet like, the word count. Yeah, exactly. Hit a word count. And I'm like, whoa, like how, how times have changed. Like I'm like, they really need to stop teaching kids uh, to hit this word count and do a lot of these creative writings. That's so true. Because, oh, I, t- I had to take writing classes in college, even though I was like a STEM major and I was like, you know what would have been great as a writing class for a STEM major is to learn how to write these like short, concise pieces because now like creative writing has not helped me. That has not helped me at all. Like nobody cares what color this guy is. They care what's happening with Netflix. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the creator economy has just showed the type of messaging that people are compelled by. Um, you know, people who took over the writing spaces and just the media spaces for before were, you know, more highly educated, yeah. had gone to certain schools and like. The type of language a lot of people use in different books and everything, it's just like not appealing to the masses Mm -hmm. and it's not easily understandable for the average person. There's also an element there, like how concise can you make it in a way that is like, it's not dumbing it down. It's not simplifying information. It's just like, again, humanizing this information Mm -hmm. for as many people as possible to be compelled by it so that these algorithms can pick it up and show it to your ideal audience as well. It's, It's all weird. It's funny how like, we're seeing this too, like across all different types of industries. Like I mentioned this already that I love Axios. And now that we're talking about it, one of the reasons why I really like them um, is everything's like a bullet format. So mm-hmm. for example, like one of their newsletters that I love is called Pro Rata. It shows me all the recent um, venture capital raises that happened that they know of like that day. And all of them are done just in bullet point. And it's like, oh, wow. this company okay. raised to this much led by this person. Um, and it tells me everything I need to know in like two or three sentences. And that's for me, I absolutely love that. And, um, I wonder if that's going to kind of move over into things that we see over like books, because mm-hmm. I read a ton audiobooks. I do listen to it two times speed. So I guess, or if I'm not listening to two times speed, it's definitely still sped up. I almost never listen to an audiobook not sped up. Mm-hmm. Um, but for, which I guess that kind of already makes it a little bit more consolidated. So my brain is like keeping up with it. But for a book book, like one that I'm physically holding, um, I don't read them on an iPad. I tend to just read them with paper and everything like that, annotate it. It takes a long freaking time. It takes a while. And I um, am reading a book right now. I think it's called 
Oh, here it is. It's like an ad. It's called the confidence game. <laughs> but it's actually taken me like so. And Welsh's rapper is my bookmark. But it's taken me a long fucking time to get through the first. And I don't mind it at all. It's a really good book. I'm like highly recommend it. But it's taken me like probably like a week to kind of get through the first chunk of it. Right. Which is a long time compared to like how I'm blasting through audiobooks. And like. That's interesting. It's almost like. It's weird because like books have chapters, but yeah. like, like YouTube on podcast has like every YouTube right? put chapter marks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like books have chapters, but it's like when it's fiction books, it's like you can't just like read certain chapter. I mean, you can't skip around. You know, yeah. And when it's nonfiction, you can kind of skip yeah. around. Like, I don't know. The storyline isn't always like crazy important, but that's interesting. I bet you, and this is just like, like looking into the future, I bet you there's going to be, if this doesn't already exist, like basically like a spark notes, but still in written format for people like me who still like to read. Just but, tweets in a yeah, book. Yeah, <laughs> like basically a book. Be like, yeah, this is Pride and Prejudice, but like only like the like a, a ten page version of Pride and Prejudice. Like this is what happens. Tweet threadified. Yeah, like a tweet threadified like version of classical books. And like Jesus. I totally wouldn't be surprised if that happened. And maybe not for a book like where you're reading it for the craft of writing, because there is something to be said about reading a book for the craft of writing, which I totally understand and respect. Yeah, I know, like writers. Were yeah, like I totally understand the craft of writing, and um, but I'm talking about for more informational books, which is tends to be what I read. I'm not, I'm not a huge um, unless it's like a sci-fi book. Like I don't know if I'd really read a sci-fi book that's been tweetified, but the informational books I'm talking about here, like to straighten it out. Like, how, that can't be that far away. Like, there's no way. Well, that's why, like, every, like, video is the future is such large messaging. Because it's, yeah. like, at the end of the day, it, like, keeps you stimulated visually. And yeah. also, like, obviously, psychologically when you're learning everything. And it is this weird thing of, like, people having to learn how to navigate video, yeah. even if they are writers or whatever. Like, that is, like, the main way of communicating, like, across platforms right now everyone's trying to get their peak into video and um a company i work with often is D- uh descript oh i love descript and I they love have them. stats on like by 2030 how many hours a day we're going to be um, like watching or like immersed in video it's literally like it's 24 so hours like tiktok though is like the app that does this the best because mm-hmm. you need to scroll through it um in order to, you don't need to i guess you probably can just oh no they they loop if you keep it on you need to scroll on it. So you need to look at the app. You need to be holding it. You need to be, it really does engage you in all senses. Um, and it's funny, like everybody wants like the most condensed version that gives you the full picture at the quickest way possible. And we've been seeing this a lot in efficiency, efficiency yeah, with journalism, where um, the increase in this like write first, edit later culture, where even news cycles, people are posting on the internet. And even though it might not be like the full story or accurate information, they just want to be the first to have it posted. And then once more information comes out, they can edit it later. And there's a bunch of different news sources um, that uh, talk about this. I know Ryan Holiday um, has written a book that um, has gone over this like incredible amounts. So he, he's it's like just go, go, go. No time for reflection or solitude. Mm-hmm. Like, And then it's like, like you're saying, these news sources that put stuff out, it's like they're just putting it out to be a part of the attention economy yeah. and have it have something out there for clicks and but like the information lacks value and nuance mm-hmm. because yeah they just you face that this though right with like mm-hmm. posting and people like commented before like oh you're late on stuff oh, when it's like 48 hours later yeah because i wasn't posting about something within the first 12 hours because like yeah. you can't do rigorous analysis of a topic 
or a recurrent event within that short of a time frame. Like if you are posting within the first 12 to 24 hours about something, it is a high emotion yeah. like, reaction. It's you can, well, there's a objective reporting, like, okay, what happened? Yes, that's fine. Like objective reporting. But like, if you're, you can't do subjective reporting that is like diligent within that short of a time frame. Yeah. And for definitely. the vast majority of topics. Yeah. I completely agree with you. And do you think um, that's going to impact how young people, how our generation in particular um, watches the news? Because I know that's something that we're both pretty interested in, like the latest tech news. Um, obviously, a huge portion of our podcast is about that. How do you think we're, our generation in 10, 20 years is going to be consuming news? Well, I think our generation right now is like, I have a lot of positives to say about our generation, but like, I don't know if the word's reactionary, reactive. I like just like, so there's too much high emotion online right mm. now. And it's call, causing a lot of polarization and like, not even just polarization, just like easy, easy bullying and everything. Because people don't care about the, the context. They care about how this information is memified to them on the <laughs> internet and like how entertaining it is. Everyone's like looking at things through an entertainment lens right now, yeah. which is disgusting but it's becoming such an extreme that i think like we're slowly going to see like a peak soon and then like a 180 of people being like this is not sustainable and this yeah. is like terrible for my health mental health is terrible for humanity's health um but right now like we're seeing that like extreme on entertainment and memifying everything it's just bad. yeah i even think people that are like a little older than us and having kids you're starting to see this like style of parenting where they're like taking their kids out to maybe this also was in part during the pandemic and people having the ability to leave um, super condensed areas and live in more remote areas. But I've seen my friends a little bit older than me, my age, having kids and then being like, yeah, we do not want our kids oh, exposed yeah. to like technology like we were. And I'm like, wow, this is so interesting because. We're just now like seeing the like we're the generation that is having the effects of social the media. Yeah. That, like, yeah. So that's super, super scary. And hopefully, you know, in the next 10, 20 years, like we're talking about, we'll still be putting information out online. But I don't know if it, it will necessarily be in the forms of like for you, short form content over on TikTok. For me, longer form content over in podcasting. I bet you it's going to be something like brand new that we haven't seen before. And I, I'm kind of excited to see what that's going to be. It's definitely like, what is the next level of this all is interesting, which, yeah, feels like it's an immersive side of things. And immersive technology, like AI is democratizing a lot, but then like this more immersive technology is, it's expensive to get involved yeah. in. So like, I think we've seen such a discussion about independent creators over the past three years, like, oh, this growth of creators and independence, blah, blah. But I can see it easily, like when things are expensive, like the power goes back to the big players in the game and like yeah. institutions because they have the money to back people to mm -hmm. thrive in these spaces. So like that's another interesting part of media right now because it's really democratized right now because like TikTok, you just film on your phone and you can post it and like it can be super casual, but like this immersive stuff, that's much more intense production. I also yeah. see like um, creators, like you said right now, it's so easy, like the barrier to entry is pretty mm -hmm. low, but in... A few years so now i can totally see these becoming like agencies owning certain like there was also um axel weber is a tiktoker that was like kind of accused of this i believe of coming from like an agency okay. as a tiktoker and like almost be being planted but basically i think that the disney kids like how our generation had miley cyrus uh, selena gomez like those uh people like as disney employees yeah kind of have like tiktok employees and have creators like come to the app 
um, and owned under an agency, obviously they'd get paid a lot less, but at least it would be consistent work. Maybe they could have benefits. Yeah. And I just sustainability in the career. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, huh? Like, I think that's the next level of child acting. It's not mommy bloggers. It's not like a Charlie D'Amelio, like dancing on screen. Yeah. It's like agency backed (laughs) children on TikTok. So TikTok Clubhouse. With yeah. Like the Mickey, Mouse Clubhouse. <laughs> yeah Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Oh my God. Not to be confused with like the audio Wait, app. Is that or what something? it was? Like, yeah, the Mickey, exactly what Justin I'm talking Timberlake. about. Britney Spears, Justin Timberlake, like, all of them were part of the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Like, there will be, I can see it now, a TikTok or whatever the social media platform is, Clubhouse. And that's scary. Like, that's freaking, that that's, makes me a little nervous. There's a lot of conversations going on about sharenting right now, though. I don't really, like, know what the, the two words together are, but it's like, like all the sharing mom. and parenting? Yeah. Okay. Like, oversharing? That's probably, yeah. Um, I think we're going to see laws soon about kids on social media, oh. which is like, I don't even think that's, like, an obvious. Yeah. I'm just 100%. curious to what extent they'll be. Because yeah. it goes into the conversations we talked, we're talking about off camera, like, like we you don't have to have consent to record people in public but now there's this conversation of what do you have consent to broadcast and then the way that like news and like people on tv have to have a waiver form signed by people that they're featuring in media like is that going to move on to social media because right now Mm. these viral content platforms like there are strangers again getting memefied and blasted across the internet that were not asked to do so as well and it goes back into the sharenting thing of like these kids don't, they, they like to dance, whatever, but they don't have a say in what's posted about them online. They don't understand what a digital footprint is. And I don't think any of us understand the weight yet until mm-hmm. something like we talked about in our last podcast, something bad happens and yeah. it's a wake up call for everyone of like the value of our data and the value of like our digital footprint. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be interesting. That's really scary to think about, but um, <laughs> hopefully, in- yeah, I was like, we did to end on a really negative, scary note. Jules, thank you so much for talking to me today. Um, I think this is a really good conversation talking about where we could be going in the future. And like I say quite frequently, although I love having online friendships, IRL for me is definitely the way to go. I know this isn't your thing, but hopefully we can do this again soon. I enjoyed it. Thanks, Rachel. Awesome. Thanks, everyone, for Thanks, tuning in. Bye. Bye. <laughs>